This is Chaplain Jake Snodgrass, and this is the Prodeo Podcast, where we tackle the issues focused on military, congregational renewal, and missional community formation. Thanks for, for being on with us today. I just wanted a couple questions. I know that you've done a lot of work in the areas of like senior leader soul care. Uh, could you just talk a little bit, and you kind of have a free reign just to kind of explain some of your work and some of your findings on, on that topic in particular? I know it's a pretty fascinating one for a lot of us chaplains. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Hey, it's good to uh, be on your podcast with you, Prodeo. It's been fun to follow you, and so I really appreciate it. So I had the opportunity a couple years ago, I, I finished it up, but to do a, a doctor ministry through Alliance Theological Seminary. And it, the uh, the topic of it was, and I won't do the read the, read the whole official thing because it's, it'll put you to sleep right away. You'll lose all your audience. But uh, basically it looked at resilience and religious coping for senior army leaders. Basically what that means is, is that how... Do senior leaders cope with their with their stress? And those that were resilient, how, how did they use their faith? How did they engage their faith to help them? And so th- there were some uh, very interesting results. All these senior leaders were all at the war college, so they were in a, in a more uh, reflective time of life. They they gave me a lot of time. When you were asking specific questions about them, they, what spe- what was helpful for them, or how they were able to grow, or what what, what were some of the things that really stood out to you? Yeah, well, uh, so, so initially, you know, uh, we, we gave them a couple tools just to kind of measure their general re- resilience. But then also we had a tool to measure, okay, how, if, if they coped religiously or if they put their faith into practice, what did they do? So we, we measured that, and I won't bore you with, uh, you know, we did chi-square, all the statistical analysis and everything. Also had some open-ended questions for them, too. Uh, just asking, okay, senior leaders, and these were senior lieutenant colonels and colonels in the U.S. Army. What were the most stressful things? What were the greatest service-related stressors? The, the results for this is that, you know, uh, 47% said it was just a workload. And, you know, several of them, and I've got some verbatims, they were just shocked at, at how much that uh, they were expected to do as commanders. You know, sometimes we think, well, the higher up you go, the less you have to do because you have more people under you. They would say that's not true at all. So 47% said workload. And then... Um, Believe it or not, the, the, the second highest stressor was interpersonal conflict. So just understanding how, how, to, how to navigate that. Um, and then uh, separation from family um, and actually toxic leadership. And that came from you know, senior commanders who they felt like they couldn't talk, talk with, they, they weren't being listened to. Those, those were some of the, the stressors. One of the questions I asked too, that so if they experienced a positive change uh, as they were leading and, and as they were going through these stressors, what were those things that were most helpful? And this is really surprising. 57% said it was their faith. Okay, these were just randomly selected officers. It wasn't the chaplain going around cherry picking. Right. Uh, 57% said faith. And then right after that was, uh, actually 47% said family. And then uh, exercise followed. And number four, uh, 28% said it was their spouse, having a spouse they could talk with and that they personally connected with. Um, so those, uh, those uh, communication skills that chaplains teach and, and uh, talk about were very important. So we talked about the stressors, uh, you know, and then those things that, that were most helpful. And then, and then finally, as we looked at, okay, for those that did engage, that 57% that said faith was important, specifically what did they do that was helpful in faith? And this was kind of surprising as well. So, the, you know, they listed there were um, 56 uh, of the answers I got. There were 56 separate activities. I was able to group those into 15 subgroups. 
but um, 61% said the most helpful religious uh, uh, methodologies that helped them were religious services. I was not expecting that. I was expecting maybe uh, you know fellowship or devotional of some sort, but 61% said religious services followed by prayer. Senior leader said he just getting getting away and praying. Um, number three was reflection, and number four was uh, devotional time. And so uh, what I found was a lot of these senior leaders during command, they learned how to have a devotional. They learned how to spend time with God. Interesting. Yeah. And a lot of that happened because of their chaplains. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're available to them and gave them material and, and kind of helped coach them in that. So within that subgroup of religious services, did that include any other types of services, or was that specifically related to chapel services? I guess what I mean is, are we talking also about small groups, Bible studies, or is, are we talking specifically religious services? Yeah, like a, like a Sunday morning gathering. So the chapel services role was very specifically mentioned as something that helped senior leaders cope with the stresses of their jobs and help them remain spiritually resilient. That's, that's a fascinating look. What specifically, in terms of that relationship with the chaplain and the devotional life of the senior leader, how did that chaplain be able to do that type of internal advisement? And what maybe specific guidance could you give a chaplain as he's dealing with some of the senior leaders that they're coming into contact with regularly? Yeah, great question. So that, so that was actually another question that, that I tried to explore with them. So I asked them, you know, do you have, you know, senior leader, do you have suggestions or recommendations to chaplains or to the church um, as far as how we can best support you? And again, you know, there, there are, you know, a lot of suggestions. We were able to subgroup them down in the categories, uh, subcategories. But the, the, the top answer was that a chaplain was proactively available. So, you know, some of the commanders said, you know what, I don't need to see my chaplain every day, but when I need him or her, I know that, they're, uh, that I already have a relationship with them, and I know and I feel comfortable with reaching out and, ask, and asking my chaplain for support. So proactively available, that was, uh, that was the number one. Uh, and then number two was, right after it was, personal connection that the, the chaplain has, has worked. Um, and you know, some commanders will work to establish that personal connection, but often it's, it's on the, the chaplain uh, to be available, to swing by, to try to uh, find those points of connection. And then uh, this was interesting too, number three was uh, uh, commander said they really valued having a chaplain of, of similar or the same rank. And, and so that's just something that, uh, you know, some leaders are more comfortable, like a lieutenant colonel who, you know, battalion commander, has a captain, some said, I wasn't really comfortable talking to a captain. Many of those leaders said, after I got to know my chaplain and saw that they were the real thing and they were legit, I was more open. It, it's a message to you know a division chaplain in 05, uh, developing relationships with, with the other 05s, the battalion commanders across the division. And, and not that you wanna go um, uh, graze in someone else's pasture, so to, sp so to speak, but, uh, but senior leaders did say that that was helpful just to have a chaplain of similar rank that they could speak with. What was maybe the most effective context for a senior chaplain to develop that relationship with senior leaders? Was it, you know, something as simple as living in the same neighborhood or in the process of dealing with, you know, command, you know, command staff briefings or a variety of other things that may run into them in regular work life? Or maybe was it... <clears throat> 
chapel service specifically, where they're involved in the same type of chapel community and being actively and participating in that role, where they're, they are really advising and, and talking and building relationships with senior leaders specifically in relationship to a chapel. Yeah, well, I, to answer your question, uh, yes, yes, and yes. So it's it's all those places. It's um, you know if, if you if you have the the privilege of living living in the same uh, neighborhood as as the as these commanders. So you know, your kids are playing with their kids, sure. developing those relationships. Um, yes, at, at chapel, but it's also you know during the hard hard times where you're sitting in a commander's update, and you've been there and you, you hit the two hour mark. And so you're all suffering together, and as you know, Jake, that that builds uh, camaraderie and you know shared suffering uh, is is a shared experience, and and that can build and it builds trust over time. So you know, I I found as a chaplain, I think a lot of guys would would agree is it's you know it's not so much as the formal counseling. It's it's not when guys come in and say, hey, I need to schedule an office call with you, but it's the it's the five minutes after a meeting. It's it's the few minutes before the meeting or, or whatever where they say, "Hey, chap, I need to talk to you about this." Or um, so you know. For instance, for me, you know, I just just got over here to uh, uh, United States Forces Korea, and uh, yeah, been here just two weeks. I think it's been two and a half weeks, and just in that short amount of time, just being a part of some of the staff meetings here, and I really don't know anybody. You know, as as these leaders see the cross, um, I've had a few just say, "Hey, this is what's going on with me," and. And sometimes, if as a chaplain, if we just say, "Hey, how could, if I was going to pray for you, how could I pray?" You know, that can just open up the door as well. It builds trust and also builds uh, the ministry connections. You know, like for us, as my specific context, I as I pastor Agape, I know that there's a tons of senior leaders there, and a lot of times I don't know what rank they are, and and they certainly don't realize what rank I'm not. <clears throat> I mean, even in fact. Recently, I was I realized that I saw somebody in uniform, general officer, and realized I'd been broing him up essentially over the last few months. So I was like, "Oh, geez, I'm so sorry. Didn't realize." But it was important for me but, to know. But you could pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> you could somehow pull it off. So, yeah. I mean, I'll say this: is that one of the things I really appreciate about how you've involved yourself in the chapel service at Agape is that you really, really live in rhythm with a lot of our senior leaders, and so your presence there has been really helpful. To, to connect to some of the senior leaders, let them know. I mean, for when, when a senior chaplain is there, they see senior leaders there. It's another place where they can connect and they know, hey, that's my, <clears throat> that's my guy that I can go to in a time of crisis. With that, I mean, also too, how can, this is ultimately a podcast about chapel revitalization. How can chapels better with their format or structure or how they do business really serve to facilitate senior leader growth and really include that, I mean, strategically as we're making progress in the areas of chapel revitalization, how can we better target and serve our senior leader population for spiritual formation? That's a great question. I, I think one of the first things, and this may sound kind of superficial, but, you know, uh, as, as senior leaders, the guys um, and, and, you know, all senior leaders, guys and gals, they've, they've gotten there because they've, they've been excellent at what they've done. And, and so there's, there's an, I think there's an expectation that the chapel service is done in a way there's there's not a lot of um, uh, or or the the distractions are kept to a minimum, um, so it's just you know things don't have to be perfect and and I, you know obviously uh, good intentions you know they, they cover up a multitude of sins, um, but that that is done well it's 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 thoughtfully done, not too long either you know military culture if, if people start to get weird you know senior leaders start to get weird if and and me included. If it just goes too long, it's like guys, you know, we, we, we can tighten this up a little bit. 
Um, obviously, if um, you know the Lord's presence is there in a powerful way, and God wants the service to go longer, that's you know that that's another thing. But often that's not that. It's it's that we haven't really thought things through. I think Chaplain Murphy in the previous podcast had mentioned something very similar, just about you know you wanted your service to be excellent, you want it to be tight. You wouldn't walk up in a command of staff and brief a commander and some of the kind of the nonsense that we bring to the table sometimes during like an announcements or something along those lines. And it's one of the things that I, you know, I hadn't really considered in that light, you know, as you compare it to something that you would do within the context of a, a command of staff, et cetera, and just making sure things are straight and tight. And you would be devoting that level of energy. And it kind of made me remind, reminded me of my first battalion XO who said, you know, be brief, be bright, be gone, keep it tight, you know, chat, you know, those kind of things. Love you know, that. Yeah. Yeah. Get on it. You know, it'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. If you yeah. yeah. He was like, chaps tend to go on and on and on. You got to remember the three B's if you want to be brief and around here, chap. If I could add something else too, Jake, just on the, on your question, um, you know, I've had a lot of senior leaders either explicitly tell me or they've hinted at it that when, when they do come to chapel, that they don't want to be singled out. They don't want to be treated special. Right. They don't they don't want the, the you know to sit in the front pew with the uh, reserved you know plate on on the side uh, of the pew. Um, they don't always want to be asked to be the the, the lay reader. Or, or whatever um, and you know a lot of them will but they just want to come there it's one of the few opportunities that they have to be with their families and and to and just to hear God's voice to be with God's people and if and if the pastor is is uh, in tune with the word and and has a relevant message to actually listen to the word of God and to think about the implications in their lives it's one of the few moments they get because when they're at home, they're still getting calls. You know, our Blackberries, our iPhones, you know, we can get emails 24-7. And so now there's the expectation to work 24-7. Our religious services provide that, that buffer and that, and that sacred time for them to reflect. Hey, one thing too, if I, if I can just add this. And, you know, so we got to be careful not to design the service around the comfort of our, our congregants only. And, sure. and, and so, or what they're comfortable with. An essential element of our services is worship. You know, just worshiping God, you know, and military culture, not a lot of senior leaders like to sing. And, and I remember when I was at, at uh, First Ranger Battalion, you know, I, I, I came in and I'm a guitar player and I, I did a little bit of worship leading. And so initially I brought my guitar and these Rangers, man, they looked at me like, what are you making us do? And, and so after a couple services, I got, I got the message. And so I stopped traveling with my guitar. And so the next couple services, I had several guys come up to me and say, hey, Chaplain, why aren't we singing? And I was like, I, I thought you guys didn't like singing. I, and, and, no, 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 no. We do like it. Doesn't look like we like it. <laughs> and uh, one guy said we need to. And, and, so, and so I think, um, you know, also just to balance in, hey, you know, the things that are important to uh, growing in faith and, you know, what the, uh, the Word says are, are the elements of a worship service, to remember those things and just know it's not about just the comfort of the senior leaders. Sure, sure. Um, and as we know, that's a slippery slope to, right. to go down there. Right. But uh, that, was, that was a funny moment there. Like, so <laughs> I picked my guitar back up and I traveled with it and, uh, and we, we, we made a joyful noise. It didn't sound good, but it was a noise. Yeah, I remember specifically my, I became, when I became a chaplain about three months later, we deployed to Iraq and really thinking through like singing songs out in field worship or doing something along those lines. And guys were standing there in force and singing along. I thought it was actually a really powerful um, moment. 
how have you seen, sir, how have you seen the design or the layout for soul care for senior leaders? Is there, has there been an effective way or like a, a plan that you've built or developed that you saw was, hey, this has really been effective in helping develop these kind of senior leader engagement? Soul care senior leaders uh, can be tough because, uh, again, you know, the, the military culture, we tend to be way more reserved. Guys, uh, uh, most leaders don't wear their feelings on their sleeve. And, and so that's where relationships of trust are very important. We, we already kind of talked about that. That, uh, you know, a chaplain who is intentional, has an intentional plan just to um, make himself or herself available to, for the commander. And so when that trust bridge is there, you know, as you know, um, they're more willing to open up. But uh, the fact that faith, faith exercise and family were so important um, as far as uh, helping senior leaders stay resilient during those really crucible experiences. So I think uh, one thing is, is to, um, to have ways of teaching tools to engage in their faith um, outside of just going to a service. And we just, we, you know, like, I, like I mentioned, services are important. But um, number two on, on the list that I mentioned was prayer. As, as a chaplain, to, to be able to teach like the act or the acts method of, of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, very simple. Another, another way to teach prayer is the, the, uh, the war prayer, um, worship, um, adoration, and then request. So those just like little tools that you can put in a, in a senior leader's kit bag. Could be written on a small piece of paper. It could just be something verbal. I found that those are really helpful because it gives them another way to engage more deeply um, in their faith. And, and the same is true for like uh, reading the scripture. Now, how do you have a quiet time? So I use this thing called the ABC method, and, and I've taught that to a lot of folks. It's, it's so easy. It's just like the ABCs. They're like, Chaplain, really? It's that, that's it? I say, yeah, but I've been using that for years, and that's how I, I get, that's how I mind the Word of God. So I think uh, teaching tools is very helpful. Another thing, too, is, is just helping, helping people to have a context, context of some of those things that will uh, really trip them up. Um, and when I, was at the, when I was at the War College, I did my paper on the, the role of shame, the role of shame in senior leader misconduct. So, so back in 2016, um, you know, everybody's been in the military for a couple of days, remembers the story of Major General Rossi. He, uh, he sadly took his own life. He was getting ready to pin on his third star. Um, and w- when they did the investigation, there were none of the, the usual antecedents of, of suicide kind of strange relationships were fine no uh, no financial issues no uh, um, MPs or CID weren't ready to come knocking at his door as as they looked into it uh, th- th- there were indicators that there were, that he was just carrying a, a lot of shame you know just that you know and shame is different than guilt you know guilt is you know I did something wrong but shame is I am wrong you know, I, I am a failure at heart. I will never get things right. And uh, it's kind of funny. We, we sort of joke about that. You know, people will say, hey, chaplain, once people, feel, once people understand, I don't know what the heck I'm doing around here, you know, they'll, they'll fire me. And that's, that's a normal thought, but, uh, but to actually internalize that. And what I found is some senior, actually a lot of senior leader misconduct, shame is at the root. And so we're, so the things we do, we're just kind of coping with this uh, sense of I'm a failure, something's wrong with me. And of course, we know the gospel speaks to that directly. And, you know, our faith directly goes to the core of those identity questions that, that we have. As far as, as far as soul care and, and just kind of senior leader care, to give senior leaders just a vocabulary for those things. And they don't need to tell you as the chaplain, 
but just to kind of make them aware of those of those uh, buried grenades underneath the surface that, uh, that might be uh, affecting them in the future or affecting them right now. And, and and all of us, you know, when we are when we are introspective and just are honest about ourselves, a lot of the stuff we do is based out of fear, you know, uh, you know, sense of unworthiness. Giving senior leaders vocabulary for that can sometimes be helpful. You got to do it in a way though that's not threatening to them, or sure. they're not afraid they're going to stand up and share their deepest, darkest secret in front of the uh, the commanding staff. So I know you've done a lot of work in the area of coaching, specifically related to coaching senior leaders and fellow chaplains. How have you seen coaching as a mechanism to really help in terms of the spiritual formation of senior leaders, chaplains, etc.? And in that process, how have you been able to identify something is wrong or something is going on in a leader or person's life that would involve then kind of a direct interaction? Um, that's, that's a great question. So, so you, you've thrown around the word coaching and that's just just to kind of camp on that for a second. That's a that that's a great way to to help help folks out. And as you and I have already talked about this, but coaching is different than mentoring. Um, it's also different than, than, than counseling as well. Um, so coaching, really, the coach is asking questions, and, and you're, you're helping the person to see their situation in their life from different perspectives. And you do that by asking questions, not nece- not necessarily me saying. Hey Jake, you need to listen to me. I got 26 years in the army, and and uh, telling you my war stories. But I'm I'm uh, using my um, uh, my situations and the wisdom that I've I've hopefully received from my time, using that to ask you questions so you can see your situation a little differently. But but as the as the mentor, as a senior chaplain, as you as you notice things in people's lives, uh, by asking questions um, is 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 very helpful. But another thing too, if if when someone's going through trials, going through the, the normal friction in life, how they respond is a good indicator for, for where they're at spiritually. And so so for instance, let's say you're being investigated, receive an allegation that you did something or whatever. You know, if, if the person that goes right to their knees and says, "Father, I need your help right now," or or goes to their spiritual reservoirs. That's a good sign. If we're immediately we're throwing punches, you know, verbal punches, and we're like, "How am I going to get revenge? And how do I get myself out of this?" That can be an indicator that uh, that our, our faith is not as grounded as as we'd like it to be. Also, also just like healthy habits, you know, just time of reflection, solitude, and silence built into our our, uh, our weekly or monthly battle rhythm. I found that that to be really helpful for me. I, I went through a, probably a decade where I just wasn't taking time to to just sit in silence, sit in, sit in God's presence. What's been really uh, meaningful, and I guess I'll use the word precious for me, is is uh, when I've quieted my my soul and I do hear the voice of God, it's never accusing, it's never saying, Dave, you're not enough, you know, you, you need to organize your life better. It's always, uh, he always speaks words of identity. You're my son, I love you. I've, I've sacrificed for you and I'll, I'll always be here with you. Fear not, you know, all those fear nots, you know, come back. That's been very helpful for me, uh, silence and solitude, and, and helping senior leaders to see that that's okay to do. If the chaplain's not doing it, if, we're not, if, it's, if it's not true in our life, you know, we can talk all day long, but all, they just need to look at us and if, say, well, it's not, the chaplain's not doing it, why should I? So we need to model it. Yeah, that's such a good point. I just recently read the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. So good. I've heard you talk about that. Yeah, that book is really good. You know, in that, he talks a lot about just this idea 
of being able to, in our culture, in our time, which I think really speaks to the kind of maybe the context which we find ourselves in, like I recognize that their job is also incredibly busy, but then you add on to it the culture of access that we've already established or we're already living in, where maybe 20 to 30 years ago, I don't, I mean, obviously general officers were very busy and, and senior leaders were very busy, but the, the ability of the cell phones and the, the access to people um, all the time, where not only do they have the access, but they're also required, really, the assumption is because you have this device, because you have that type of access, you really are on call, you're really working. And it's not just phones or emergencies. It's emails, it's responses to things in a variety of different formats. I've seen it here in Korea where we're kind of off count or off the clock, so to speak, in terms of we're backwards. And so when they're sleeping, we're awake back in the States. There's just still this demand really for that level of response back you know, to the States or a variety of different formats. And really, I feel like that just habitual nature of constantly on call reduces the ability to take a rest. And so in that, he, in that book, he really talks about the Sabbath and being able to take a Sabbath and take rest for your spiritual health and for you know, your own um, vitality, for your ability to even do your job well. And I was just thinking, man, I know that, you know, even for, for me as a, 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 you know, a field grade officer, a new field grade officer that I am definitely feel overwhelmed. I can't even imagine what a lot of the senior leaders must be going through in that context when they're way on call and having to perform at very high levels with very high stress. And then just the inability to rest or the temptation not to rest because, you know, the job needs you or the things like that. I think it's just a... That book was really good, and, and there's a lot of, and there's been a handful of other authors that have provided some great insight in that. But man, for me, just being able to look at my daily habits and how they interact or intersect with kind of the culture as it is and the norms that are expected of me, I mean, I have to take a look at that and take a good rest. So if I could just just uh, speak to that, I, I, th- I think there might be a bit of a revolution coming where there's, there's a more of an, an awareness that um, we are wearing our leaders out by just constantly peppering them with emails 24 7 you know calls late at night and yes there are some things that they need we you know need to reach out to a leader right now and they they need to know um and they need to inform their their higher-ups but there are there are some things that can just wait and and a a senior a very senior leader in in our chaplain corps recently uh we was just talking to um, a a few of us a few oh sixes and we were just talking about email protocol on the weekend and it was this, um, I think it's, uh, it was Forcecom. And they just had a policy. It's just like, hey, unless it's super important, do not send any emails on the weekend. You know, if you're, if you're actually working during the weekend, you're in your office, use that little function on Microsoft Outlook, you know, deliver at, you know, 06 on Monday, but not 06 on Sunday morning. Because, you know, you know when that email comes in, it's going to ding on their phone and, you know, a leader's going to look at it. And now it pulls them away from their family. It pulls them away from that time of, of, of rest that they need in order to properly lead during the week. Yeah, so that, that was actually revolutionary for me because I never thought of it that way. Right, well, and, and I'm preaching in the choir when I say this, but you know, we just look at the life of Christ. And it's, it's interesting that af, after his biggest miracles, you know, the feeding of the 5,000 or um, when he was just healing, you know, uh, individual after individual, driving out demons, you look at the times where he got away and he rested and he prayed and he spent time with the Father. It was always after those big momentous moments. And I think that the message I've taken away from that is 
watch out. The, the, time, the times where I will probably be, you know, we will probably be more, most susceptible are after those big successes um, to the sinful nature, to those things that might um, want to uh, pull us down the road of self-medication. And those are the times we need to be in his presence. If I could recommend a, a great resource, uh, Dr. Rob Reamer wrote a book called Soul Care. And it's just uh, seven, seven categories that need to be addressed uh, as far as just having a healthy soul. And that's been really helpful for me. Um, I've used it, felt, developed some classes as a result of it. But, um, yeah, uh, soul care. Parting shots for the chaplains listening or leaders listening as maybe a uh, State of the Union <laughs> last moment for the chaplain corps before we head out. Yeah, Roger. Well, yeah, listen, I would just say um, often senior leaders walk into the chapel and, and everybody's, you know, starstruck if, you know, literally if they're generals, but, oh my goodness, it's the commander. Uh, but to remember that uh, they're people too, and they have souls that need to be cared for. Um, and if the, if the chaplain corps is not caring, caring for the Army's soul and for, and for senior leader souls, no one else probably is. And so to not, to not shy away from that. And now it doesn't mean we need to ask the, the you know, the, the deep probing questions, but just, hey, you know, sir, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Um, and developing, like we talked about, developing those relational trust bridges, conducting services with excellence so that, you know, the chaplain's stock goes up. And when, when the senior leader needs to have that conversation or needs to reach out, you know, you are a viable person that they will talk to because you've earned their trust. And they can tell you the real deal, too, because you've delivered, you understand the Word of God, you, you understand the things of God, things of the spiritual nature, and they realize, hey, you know, if I, if I need help to, to understand God's will in my life, I know who I'm going to go to, and it's the Chaplain Corps. You can find more from us at ProDeoChapel.com and click on our social media platforms and connect with us there.